0: We'll
1: to episode 36 of the benzo rehab dungeon i am your host michael deebs it is march 26 2021 i am joined by uh, uh danko suvin from the instagram handle at dank lose and uh, also producer john uh danko how you doing today
2: i made a mistake last night
1: you did make a mistake last night we're gonna talk about uh, that mistake in a second i think um
2: in that case, I'm doing great. Yeah,
1: cool. Well, as long as we move past the mistakes of our of our past, um, John.
2: Uh,
3: yeah, I'm 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 good. I, uh, other Seem than having per- my, like...
1: perplexed by that question. <laughs> yeah, well, no, how, how am I doing?
3: <laughs> reading Jordan Peterson has like just like bored a hole.
1: Yeah, you uh, in my brain. You didn't quite do the 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 mind melting thing that dorian and i did which is um read the book like in its entirety i i took a little bit of a shortcut here and there but
3: uh
1: yeah you you've you've suffered maybe longer exposure than we did
3: yeah, yeah john ten, did you 10, ten hours I, I i listened to the audiobook with yeah. uh, jordan jordan peterson's uh voice Right. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. In some
2: way, in some ways, that might be worse because it's like no, that's that's what I'm saying. Can, like
1: like you and I, like we just we just beat our brains against the the, the text,
2: and at least did it with our own like uh, inflections. Right. And, yeah. And whatnot. yeah. 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 Because I
1: because I can only read things out loud.
2: Here's <laughs> 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 a good question for everyone on the panel. I've been talking to a lot of people about this. It's yeah. a cognitive question because apparently not everyone has internal dialogues and some people only like thinking like single words and stuff. Right. Um,
1: so was I just ableist right now or, or what happened?
2: <laughs> I don't even know if that's ableism, but like people are have complicated brains. Yeah. Like what, uh what do you guys like? You guys have like full dialogues or. Um, uh,
1: what, what I'll do is, is sometimes if I'm reading and I read like a complex, like sentence that, that maybe isn't like straightforward, I will, I will read it like under my breath sort of.
2: Right. Um, well, less less with reading because I think when everyone's reading, they read words, right? And right, sometimes like speak reading. them. Yeah. But when you're like thinking of concepts, do you like think things out in words or do you think things out in pictures or, or a mix of all the above or what? What's the what is it biased towards? For, for
3: me, it's everything. Yeah. Like I think in pictures, words, conversation, uh, uh, fake conversations with people that I know. For sure. Like what what would they say? I can imagine them generally in their voice talking to to me mm. like i just kind of figured that everybody could just think thoughts like that right like i when i when i first heard about this that there's people that just have like i guess they can only have like one i, I don't even understand like what it is that they don't have really
2: it it varies i because they don't, they i don't have I realized it. that i'm <laughs> i'm like a halfway uh example here where i mostly think in Something like abstract objects, where uh, I don't know, it's it's hard to articulate in words because it's not words. Uh, but uh, but kind of kind of shapes where different ideas connect to one another that are almost like shapes themselves. But then I I think in words, kind of in addition to that. But if I let my brain just kind of float off, it's mostly just kind of uh, something like images. It's not quite images. It's bizarre but then yeah i i know some people like one one person i'm pretty close with that exclusively thinks in like these objects and like has extreme difficulty verbalizing because of that and i know some other people that only think in, like one word at a time and it's yeah just like,
3: i guess that's yeah. the one that that uh i guess uh freaked me out the most it's uh, like a word cloud <laughs> yeah because like i in words while talking to somebody like right yeah that like And I guess I feel like maybe I've met people that might have like frustrated me in the past Uh, that maybe like, uh, like, like people that interrupt, uh, to, uh, because they have to fucking get something out right now or they will lose it because they're either listening to you or they are asking you this question.
2: That's what I've, uh, discovered with, uh, with, with Uh, partners that I become compatible with I mean ideally you're compatible with someone who's your partner that's kind of redundant but but is that uh I I meet meet a girl who has like a kind of frustrating way of communicating because she like interjects a lot because she literally needs to interject because the thought is like there and then it's gone and so I'm not that way my thoughts are just like they're stuck and then they will remain stuck in like a perverse uh, evil version of ADD uh, where it's I can't be contacted but only because I'm always distracted by something um, and so they'll interject and I can allow them to interject because my thought is going to be there when they're done talking uh, because I'm, I'm just always waiting to talk I'm never listening to me. <laughs> 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 Hey uh, speaking of
1: um, there, there seems to be something going on with your mic Dorian I'm not sure if it's coming through on is there john's uh, oh yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah
2: I can. Like yeah i can hear it yeah it is crackling thing, yeah i uh i put it on top of my charging phone because do i'm not stupid. do that yeah that's, uh, that's gonna... yeah
1: electromagnetic interference that describes yeah. perfectly what i was hearing
2: <laughs> <laughs> i did it as an experiment
1: <laughs> oh that's right john and i are both radio guys we know that sound oh, that makes yeah sense. yeah uh, is it gone now it is gone now thank you so. um mm. perfect um, I was gonna say, you know, as a uh, left-brained INTJP, uh, or INTJ. GBP. <laughs> oh god. Um, I I only speak in uh, or I only think in pure logic. Um, and and also creative uh, creative words.
2: You know, so my, my my last little bit about this is that at first I thought this was a stress response kind of thing, and maybe it is, but. I discovered in university that when I, when my brain really starts like flowing with a concept and I'm talking in class, but I've realized I do it in workshop and stuff too. And sometimes here, especially when we do like the deeper dives. uh, As soon as I kind of enter into like a verbal flow, I like kind of brown out uh, a little bit just because like, I guess, I guess just what's happening at that point in time is like so many of my cognitive capacities are dedicated to making words out of thoughts right. and like continuing to stack them that a lot of my other like cognitive capacities literally just shut off.
1: <laughs> no, I, I I experience that sometimes too. Um whenever I go into rants on on this yep. uh, on this show. Um
0: no, I, I love would it. say just... I
1: would say that um when when I think about things I do think about more conceptual less like word-based sort of things. Mm. Um and that's why reading theory, I think, has been helpful in helping me like articulate some things. For because, sure, because it's it's hard for me to like take something that I'm just seeing as a concept in my brain, and like put it into words. When I'm like, you know, the the feeling that you get when you like don't know the thing, <laughs> but it, you know what's wrong and it's fucked up. And
2: right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like so much, so much of theory is predicated on this kind of like mapping things out as abstract models right yeah i mean, I mean like we're yeah, I, I deal with the
1: abstract concepts very easily i think
2: right and i think that might be kind of part of it and because it's uh because that's primarily how i'm able to like make sense of things is very abstractly uh but uh but like deleuze and Guattari are always talking about like machines and flows and assemblages and yeah. stuff like that and so they're like building these kind of mental objects that aren't quite objects that work on their own kind of physics and i think that uh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and I think that's what—that's why I do uh, enjoy reading so far what I have read of uh, both of them. Yeah. Um because Dolce and Gabbana with with my like engineering background and stuff like that, you know, it for sure makes sense to
2: me. Um, anyway, I yeah, so put let's, us off on a tangent.
1: Let's uh, let's talk about Jordan B. Peterson. Oh God, it reminds <laughs> me of last night.
2: Yeah. Flashbacks so already. We'll,
1: we'll keep this a little bit short. Um, <clears throat> We we have maybe some some book review uh, uh, items in our brains, um, but before we we talk about his new book, and I guess Dorian's disappeared into the. <laughs> I I don't even. Know it it looks like a top-down view of a panopticon. I'm not sure what the. Actually, it is.
2: That's part of it. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah. You're you're actually holding something up that the the camera is reading as a background. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's from Maps of Meaning, and this is uh, one of Jordan Peele's... unironically
2: his best work.
1: Yeah, unironically, uh, it's, it's something. <laughs> um, but yeah, you you uh, you discussed that graph last night, while or or diagram rather, uh, while while drinking a copious amount of rum. Um,
2: it was a bottle on a half night. It yeah. was a good choice, and I don't regret it now. And I'm not. I'm wearing this jacket because it's literally cold here. In Southern California, not because I'm freezing for any kind of endogenous chemical reasons.
1: Right. Of course. It is actually a little bit chilly out.
2: It's a little chilly. You know, we've chill. had a little bit of rain, but, yeah. you know, coming from Chicago, I think that I, I think this is my problem. Not the, not the weather. <laughs> it might be.
1: <laughs> I just feel cold all the time and I'm shaking. <laughs> um, so before we, uh, before we dig into the book, uh, this Jordan Peterson's been on the, uh, the, the talk show round the circuit. the circuit as it were uh, especially with the intellectual dark web uh, which brett weinstein belongs to it's such a cringy
3: t- why well it's why because they're they're word?
1: edgelords they're edgelords that's why
3: yeah
1: because because they're they're trying to act like the things that they're saying are prohibited and not part of like a ruling class structure of ideas uh, that that yeah, are like clearly established and enforced by the, uh, the powers that be. They're, yeah. they're actually counterculture in some way and not actually just representative of, of all power structures.
2: Yeah, I mean it's exactly the same thing with like Blue Lives Matter guys and the uh the Punisher logo. Absolutely, you just... yeah.
1: Like you, you don't yeah. understand how hard it is to to have all these guns and all these legal authorities right. um <laughs> backing you. Um so this is uh this is Jordan Peterson um talking to Brett Weinstein and he's talking about uh about hospitals um and just the the <clears throat> high-level intellectualism, um, which we'll we'll point out in a minute, but we'll just uh, we'll go ahead and watch this clip.
2: Uh, ahead, yep. Fou- Foucauldian. Then, kind of. synoptic you- <laughs> Sorry,
4: go on. He yeah, did the statistics properly. I suspect that m- that medicine, independent of public health, kills more people than it saves. I suspect if you if you factor in phenomena like the development of superbugs in hospitals, for example, <laughs> that overall the net consequence of hospitals is negative. Now that's just a guess, and but it's, and, and it could easily be wrong. But it, it also could not be wrong. And that is a good example, or a, <laughs> that's where my thinking about what we don't know has taken me with regards to the critique of what we do.
3: The fact that it's even plausible is a stunning.
4: Well, you know, medical error is the third leading cause of death, Yeah, you know, and that doesn't take into account the generation of superbugs, for example.
3: The generation of superbugs, or, you know, if you're thinking, then... I suspect know, make, if you uh, did the yeah.
4: statistics properly...
3: Yeah, I don't think anybody was thinking. <laughs> <No>.
4: <laughs> I, I, I
3: I
2: just checked the numbers and... Or like MRSA and I know there are a few others but like MRSA is the main like super bug that yeah. killed twenty thousand people in 2017 so like probably not a leading cause of death They've yeah a a of l- l-
3: less than car accidents and, well, gun and, and
1: also and, the the idea that medical error is the third leading cause also of wrong death it, not only wrong but most of the studies that conclude this aren't taking into effect that like the people who die from medical error cool are already in the process of dying
2: it's it's also yeah. it's also it's an even worse misreading than that because well, yeah no, uh, of course per, it's, it's worse due to this per the cdc it's not medical errors it's accidents as a whole so we're talking yeah. about factory accidents right car accidents it's not medical errors you fucking idiot it's uh <laughs> oh, wow statistics piss me off so much this <laughs> always happens every time we bring up statistics it fills me with rage yeah that's that's something accidents. uh that's something that all I'm accidents starting to... are in hospitals fuck you sorry go no, on no, go ahead
1: uh <laughs> go a... off king uh no i was gonna say like that's one thing that I'm i'm starting to realize is that like you know i i could learn all the statistics in the world but like I don't know the 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 statistic argument doesn't fucking matter to me like uh well actually if you look at all the data it, it turns out that most uh accidents happen in hospitals and therefore hospitals are the leading cause of, like who fucking cares like most of the time when somebody goes to a hospital, it's because they're already in a life or death situation um right. if yeah. medical error in a hospital is what what kills somebody well like at least they had a chance at not dying um right
3: well, and statistics should be used as, like, what they are, predictive tools, not a way to,
2: like, form a belief system. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There you go. It, it's, you know, Peterson, this is, this is proof, again, that Peterson is just bizarro Zizek. Yeah. Because <laughs> Zizek talks about objective or, yeah, objective versus subjective violence or, system, sorry, it's subjective versus systemic violence. And how you have uh, uh, the systemic violence is stuff like car accidents and how car accidents are this thing that kills all these people. And yet we allow it to happen because we uh, need to allow for like efficiency and pleasure of like driving over like 50 miles an hour. Um, And I mean, his his conclusion with that is a little uh, less uh, hysteric than this one. Um, But then you have Peterson who's taking like the same statistic but applying it exclusively to hospitals in this like weird, is this Ancrim? Is that what he's becoming? Is that what's well, happening? And, Just... and,
1: and it also is worth noting that uh, immediately after saying that, he says, this might not be true. He does that but, all the time. But it it's... could be true. And it's like, well, the the could be is literally Anything. like the spinning teapot around Mars that you can't prove, yeah. but could exist it's it's not worth well, bringing up because it's it's uh it, in order to disprove it it's like you would have to prove a negative somehow
2: and the fact that he says it with the confidence that we're seeing on the screen right now is like i'm sorry guys he's i i'm i i try to and i generally do give people kind of like the benefit of the doubt as in like they are just systemically ill kind of people who are just like they genuinely believe what they say and they've just got brain problems, uh, but Peterson <laughs> is absolutely a fraud, and he knows it. Yeah, and this is this is absolutely all a grift. Um, yeah, and this isn't my only reason for thinking that. Obviously,
1: but... no, pl- yeah. plenty more behind
2: all of that, of course. Sorry, John. Uh, I think you were starting to say something yeah, before. Ahead, I...
3: Oh, uh, I think I did lose my train of train of thought, though.
2: See, this is what happens. This is why yeah. uh, I need to be dating someone that's it's more like uh, that'll interrupt <laughs> you. Right. Are, you, are you saying that
1: you and john aren't compatible as mates
2: he's beautiful but i maybe like weird a short time to bring
1: thing. that up oh, on air yeah now, a, now with yeah. the
2: wedding coming up it's yeah it's gonna be yeah. it's gonna be awkward yeah uh, very awkward
1: <laughs> so uh we 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 did uh our last episode and and john legitimately had uh tech issues which is why you couldn't join yeah. us and I
2: legitimately quit. And I'm sorry for that. But I'm <laughs> and, <legitimately>, and, and, <laughs> yeah, um,
1: You legitimately <laughs> quit. And, uh, I had to talk to Dr. Peterson alone. Um, now, now By way, he's,
2: he's here. He's just in the other room. We've been having like a <laughs> ongoing conversation about what I did and why I'm a yeah. bad boy. <laughs> Very bad boy.
1: Um, yeah. So I, I had to talk to uh, Dr. Peterson alone and, uh, I, I didn't realize how powerful of a, uh, of a character he has and, he may, he may have talked me into agreeing with him on some points that now that I'm thinking about it, I don't necessarily
2: agree with. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I listened to it in post and you, you definitely say like, oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah I, and, you know, I now now I kind of empathize with people like uh, like Dave Rubin and uh, Jimmy Dore who, who have on um, like horrible ghoulish uh characters who are acting <laughs> in bad faith and, and yeah <laughs> just just let their ideas steamroll them because now now <laughs> that i've experienced that um and i and i wasn't doing a bit or anything i just you know when 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 jordan peterson's powerful strong voice hit my ears like that i i could no longer resist it and i i fell myself or i found myself falling victim to to his uh to his honeyed words i guess i would say <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um so so yeah we'll we'll go ahead and be real here for a second uh, as real as this the show can ever be um that was a bit obviously um, you can only be
2: hyper real yeah yeah
1: dorian dorian didn't quit True. Um, he was actually the voice of Doctor Peterson the whole time. You guys may not have yeah. noticed that. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just,
4: it's just one of the things that I do. Oh, it but, just comes see, out of now.
1: Now the, the the fourth wall has been completely broken. Sorry. Uh, what? Sorry. No.
2: <laughs> I had to with some kind of Canadian word. Yeah.
1: Uh, so I also, so I, would I, we I like? To... I want to
2: apologize really quickly for something. Oh, go ahead. Uh, which is just that I um I know that my impressions of Peterson have been lacking his accent but i i didn't think anyone would notice and i didn't want to make fun of canadians yeah, but, but apparently it turns, yeah, it turns out not doing canadian, the canadian accent we have a canadian is, following yeah not doing the canadian accent is actually more offensive or bothersome in some way yeah and i was told that last night during my live stream in which i made no mistakes except for not doing enough of the accent so now i have i've promised that i will include the canadian accent in my my future renditions of dr peterson and um I love you.
1: You know, you really gotta think about like, does the American imperialism know no bounds where you're even Americanizing <laughs> uh Canadians? Those those innocent Canadians, <laughs> those innocent who've never done anything wrong to indigenous people or anything like that. Never
2: uh, no. So so would
1: you like to uh briefly uh share some some broad thoughts about uh uh, jordan peterson's book beyond order 12 more rules for life
0: you
1: can say no, uh, i mean that's, that's, that's a perfectly a... valid response
2: yeah i mean that's a huge <laughs> question but I, I i would just i guess note that it's it's obviously just a continuation of his previous thought that he's trying to abstract a little bit more which is funny because it's all part of like a list anyway yeah. and so there's no reason that these things should be complications of previous thoughts but I guess even, like, the original list of his work was literally him, like, getting to 10 and being like, okay, how do I rephrase all the things I've already said just to continue this list? <laughs> to a, oh, an awkward number. Is it 42 or 48? or? or, uh, for, or
1: 42 is, is his original Quora post. Yeah. So so I believe that and means that we have 18 more rules coming down the pipeline eventually. Oof. Oh, What the
0: fuck?
2: But, and it just meanders so much. That's the weird thing to me about it, yeah. is that, like, I'm used to reading some difficult work that does, like you know, bringing a whole lot of concepts and yeah, like, and, and this and, is like a- build on itself and stuff. But this just, I would forget what the rule was like a couple pages in. Because because, I'm an because idiot he's, also, he's but...
1: diverting himself so far from wherever he starts yeah. when he's talking about the rule. And, you know, it's, it's yeah, not, like, it's not return, difficult like to Harry read Potter because, Pinocchio. It, yeah, it's not difficult to read because it's like complicated wording or like words that have like, you know, complicated meanings behind them or anything like that it's it's difficult to read because it's such a meandering mess and you know he's not talking about very high level concepts he he literally relates Pinocchio to Christ um oh, uh Iron like, Man to Christ Harry,
3: Harry Potter's parents are his heavenly parents like mm-hmm. are yeah they God but yeah. they were real people though I don't exactly or, because I guess not I don't
2: they they died uh in a car crash when he was a babe and so he never got to experience them and so he uses that as like a metaphorization of them being heavenly i guess because there's only like yeah. the only parents that he knows in life are his like shitty aunt and uncle is it the aunt and uncle i never read yeah. books i not know that's yeah that's well, my go on john it but it, it it's a it's a
3: weird metaphor because I don't know, maybe i misunderstood maybe i misunderstood the metaphor like is the metaphor that the heavenly parents are some type of god or his weird transcendent nonsense right right and so then his uh material parents which are the dursleys is the metaphor then comparing the heavenly parents directly to his material parents which like is existence in the material plane like abusive in nature like i just think the metaphor takes it in a weird place so it, it totally does
2: me. um if if i'm gonna if i'm gonna do an affirmative reading of peterson like i was doing last night um in the, the recording floss so I, I might as well continue this a little bit so this fucking graph that he uses um it, it seems to actually like really well consolidate his thought. it's just that his thought is nonsense to yeah, start with exactly but um so he he has this thing that he refers to as the pre-cosmogonic egg, which is a word that you could never possibly uh, consolidate in any way, like called the pre-cosmic egg or the cosmic egg <laughs> or the cosmogenic egg or the egg or the, anything like that. Um, so it's this thing that he never well, really you have to understand, where the Dorian, comes and from.
1: I, and I hate to interrupt you here. You have mm-hmm. to understand that not everybody sees the egg as a beginning point. I'm so sorry, go on. <laughs> so there's no pre-cosmogonic chicken though as far as <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, but, that but, was a shitty joke.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but but in the pre-cosmogonic egg there's the production of Yahweh and like literally Yahweh um, as well as the what's the term he uses it's the um
1: yeah, you got the you got the board over there. The
2: yeah. uh, the void Which is composed of matter and the deep and so like within this like framework of something that is productive of everything i guess which god knows who that comes from it's just like a one weirder step into infinite regression it's because it creates god as well as matter and so like god and matter are actually on like a equal and reciprocal playing field where they both began kind of simultaneously and inform one another and try to like gain a unity and so, like his heavenly parents and his physical parents are in like a weird, like Jungian shadow versus like your higher self way. They actually are unified, but this is all predicated on something before this, like that contains that it's it's in its madness. But but and but you're yeah, you're on the right all... path thinking that that's what he's doing, but he also knows that's what he's doing. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> so is, he, he's worse than like i actually haven't looked that much into uh peterson's uh uh like apologetics for god sure uh but it sounds like he's worse than fucking william lane craig (laughs) yeah yeah right and and william lane craig just literally just says fucking twenty dollar words one one right after the other
2: right i mean so the the peterson's whole relationship to god is kind of based on like the ontological argument which is it kind of kind of gained a little bit of like uh, popularity on the internet by people like phrasing it in even more ridiculous ways even though it's kind of ridiculous to begin with but the ontological argument is by descartes and i mean a lot of people thought this up but descartes is who we kind of give credit to but which is essentially the idea that god is perfect because god is god um in order to be perfect uh he must have all the qualities of perfection we consider one quality of perfection as being and thereby god by being perfect is uh so it's kind of insane and like descartes like gives more backing to this to like justify his bizarro take here but that's really like behind a lot of peterson that was also kind of i brutalized it a little bit but but peter's that's essentially peterson's like backing here but he adds this thing where everything is connected to some kind of like mythic truth in our like shared experience um of, of the world and so by being able to imagine a mythic god which is part of our like shared consciousness in a Jungian way we can determine that god exists but god exists because we have made him exist in our minds and he's but he also enters into the loop where he still seems to believe that the, <laughs> that's beautiful <laughs> where where he also does seem to believe that there is like a, a logos as he calls it but but then it's never clear like which part of the loop he originated with but looking at the rest of his work and what i said before like the loop seems to be like simultaneous rather than like uh reciprocal in like a av way uh anyway sorry that was a, a rant but no, trying to make sense of him
1: um mom stuns dermatologists by reducing her wrinkles with this t- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I- <laughs> for uh, the The wrinkles seem to be tattooed on her face which is most interesting um happens, so so my my broad uh uh review yep. of, of his book is um He's he's admitting a lot with this book. Uh the first thing he's admitting is that he's above reproach.
0: And, yeah. And rule does, one.
1: Yeah, <laughs> rule one is is basically uh I've got it written down here. Um <clears throat> uh do not carelessly denigrate social institutions or creative achievement. Um obviously his his book is a creative achievement and and so you know you can't be careless in in how you uh tear it down um
2: that's the big one is, is careless it's a weasel word it Where it like, allows word. him to do it as much as he wants but yeah. like you can't because like you're on the wrong side
1: exactly um and you know later on when he he talks about uh uh the the rule eight i think it is um try to make one room in your home as beautiful as possible. He acknowledges <laughs> yeah, his, his artism room. <laughs> he, yeah, he acknowledges that uh, there there's an image that's circulated about him uh where he's got a very messy, messy office in in the background. And he acknowledges that he had that. And then his his next uh, his next line is essentially but I am going to claim extreme circumstances. Mm-hmm. And what he's saying there is, (laughs) yes, I did have a messy room. Yes. It's hypocritical for me to say, uh, because he's famously quoted as saying, uh, you can't tell the world what to do, or you can't give the world advice, uh, if you have a messy room, uh, basically like get your own life in order before you start telling people what to do, which I think he's probably actually also said, um, that's what he's meaning to say there. And so, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's recognizing that yes it is hypocritical for me to say these things and, and to have you know this messy office background in one of my videos but i yes that's and, and that's a fucking disaster that looks like a, a fucking hoarder's like space yeah,
3: um, he put a he put a blazer on. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: well, yeah, he he put or a like blazer on, but feet. he but he put a blazer on over a white t shirt, and he looks just dis- disheveled and, and and oily, like he yeah. hasn't showered. Like like yeah, like the he, blazer he looks, is looks...
3: obviously cleaner than him, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and you had to get those dry cleaned specially, so it's probably not been cleaned in some time. Um, but anyways, you know, he he acknowledges that it's hypocritical, but then he says i'm excluded from that that uh that critique of hypocrisy because i was going through an extreme circumstance as if
2: unlike anyone he gives advice to we're all exactly having really easy lives. the point i was yeah. going to
1: make is is unlike everybody who's going through some some extreme circumstances and may therefore have a messy home or life or something that isn't maybe aesthetically beautiful going on in the background um he is above reproach because he is the person that is going through extreme circumstances. Yeah. Uh, so, so the first thing he does is he, he excludes himself from, from critique um, and, he, and he reinforces that later on in the book. Uh, the second thing I think he's doing in this book is uh, admitting uh, who his audience is. And these are people yeah. uh, who uh, have a worldview that is shaped by watching Disney's Pinocchio. Uh, by reading harry potter uh by (laughs) watching marvel movies another thing that it brings up is is uh, tony stark is a christ-like figure in the marvel movies um and what he's admitting there is uh he he is uh his audience is a bunch of people who have like no firmer grasp on reality than whatever the popular media is feeding them
2: right um well it's it's um The, the the christ comparisons are always so bizarre to me for him because the the thing that makes christ so easy to uh compare to anything you want is because christ fits into like the standard monomythic mold right uh-huh. and so like it's it's just it's a weird like purposeful choice that he compares everything to being christ because he could pick any monomythic figure in order to fit into that um what is this?
1: I don't know. John, john's looking it. up Mexican art. Oh,
2: sorry, sorry, sorry. No, 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 that's fine. I, uh... You're working, but, um, <laughs> but, but yeah. So like, literally, anyone could fit into this like this mold that he set up because it's for just sure. monomythic figure is like mono figure. Yeah. So instead, he just plugs in one of them as always being Jesus, and so like yeah. everyone <laughs> is like Jesus, and everyone is referring to Jesus, even though that's like he it's he's more fluid in this model than he's given credit for.
1: Yeah. Um, there's, there's a third major thing that he does, which is, uh, continue to reinforce his, uh, misogynistic viewpoint. Um, obviously, you know, a long history of claiming that the feminine is a chaos dragon, uh, et cetera, et oh, cetera. Yeah. Um, and it's just kind of but, ri- written into the book all over the place, uh, where, yeah, where, yeah I'm, I'm having a little bit of trouble remembering like a clear example um i mean one of the things uh, while you look queen
3: is the fucking agent of chaos yes
1: right that's one of the things he brings up
3: um yeah
2: but he also he he has this bizarre relationship and this kind of connects to both the last two points to um to like artists and creative people uh which of course i don't take immediate offense to or anything but he, one of the interesting parts of the book, I forget which chapter it is,' it's one of the, the, it's in the latter half at least. Um, but uh, he talks about how artists need to live in these like disheveled shitty parts of town. and then as soon as it gentrifies, it's good that it's gentrifying because then it sends them to another shitty part of town because you need to be surrounded by chaos and bullshit and like crime and stuff in order to be creative. But it, which is probably a great excuse for him living in a shithole or working the shithole um but uh but you know he's of course comparing he's he's saying that creativity is chaos and i don't entirely disagree with that like he's he's you know he's a person that speaks in half truths yeah um but but so he also is of course always comparing the feminine to the chaotic because it's like it's an open space and also because he has like such intense like misogyny and thinks of course like women are of course like totally mysterious and we'll never understand them kind of thing and so he's, he's of course, saying that women always need to be, um, in order to be healthy and probably is like an ontic fact of like being, uh, need to live in some kind of chaos where men will always necessarily live in this kind of order or like be healthiest in that space. Because, because men are because
4: logical he, and smart yeah. and reasonable.
2: Because the, the only times that he ever talks about chaos are, are, are when we're talking about like emotion away from it, kind of. Like... Of course. chaos mm-hmm. of course you do visit chaos in order to leave it but but it's always talking about how we have to um take a boon from the dragon or continue yes. on from the chaos and it never has to do with like the like validity of you know dying or entering into these spaces unless he's doing his jerk off thing about like how artists always need to live in like you know shitholes um <laughs> but that of course includes women unless they have like a man ruling your life
1: yeah um and and maybe the fourth thing that I'll say that this book is broadly doing is uh, uh a very biased uh understanding of hierarchy impossible um rule uh let's see rule five yeah uh, rule five do not do what you hate uh starts off with a story about somebody who Uh, works for some corporation and the corporation decides (laughs) that uh, flip books are no longer an appropriate term Uh, and the reason is because um, flip is a uh, a racial slur for uh, for uh, Filipino people and you know obviously you know whether or not this actually happened is dubious at best Uh, right but but the secondary thing is like okay so corporate exist as a hierarchy right like all the people in the corporate structure are are part of a hierarchical structure um and a competence hierarchy yes a competence hierarchy because because jordan peterson's one of jordan peterson's core beliefs is that people are in the places they are based off of a merit right yeah and so you know he's he's challenging the idea that corporate has the right to say whether or not flip book can be used and in, in the corporate structure and then his next uh, his next rule is abandon ideology in which he uh he decries the evils of challenging hierarchy and established order because all of these people are in the places they're in for a reason so he immediately yeah. like trips all over his own like weird skinny stupid penis while trying to explain um i these these two rules uh and yeah i mean that's 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 the fourth major thing i I would say he's uh he's doing in this book that's just fucked up and and stupid and wrong yeah
2: i mean it it, the, the the comparison between the two there it's um it kind of exposes like what his his thought actually is with this which is that hierarchy functions off of like in it's, it's an ontic thing rather than like an ideological one Yeah. where, because he, all, he he used to, he doesn't bring them up as much anymore, but he used to like obsess over Pareto distributions, which is essentially like um, it's, it's a, um, uh, God, what's the word? Um, not geometric. It's, it's, it doesn't matter uh, or arithmetic, but, but it's, it, it, it essentially means that the higher you go up into a hierarchy the more consolidated power that there will be. Uh, and that the lower you get down into it, the more people are going to be uh, there. And so that any kind of uh, framework is necessarily going to consist of one or two, like people up at the top, a very small percentage that own most of the stuff or have most of the competence, which is, that's a weird like wave. Uh, of adding to it this competency yeah. thing uh, and that with with each step down you of course have less and less allotted to them until you get it's it's essentially just the bernie sanders thing of the one percent yeah but he's saying that it's a good thing and that's just a fact of life that things always work in this way
1: well jeff um, jeff bezos is obviously a, a superhuman force and that's why yeah exactly the most um, because he's he's actually just way more uh way more competent than you and uh yeah and he deserves all the wealth and power he has
2: right but he's and, and he's yeah. he's essentially but saying this if stuff. his
1: corporate structure said that you can't use the term flip book.
2: right <laughs> right but yeah it's it's not even so much that he's saying that like it's moral or good that these things are are, are the case of course he does end up saying that yeah. in in kind of uh, roundabout ways or at least ethical if not moral but he he's just saying that
4: this will always be a part of the world, and there's nothing that we can do about it. Uh, and I'm sorry, but that's yeah. just what it is,
2: and you'll never fix anything. Because if it's you just...
1: struggle against it, you're bad, actually.
2: Yeah, yeah, because you're 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 disrupting this like natural hierarchy that functions for a reason.
4: Yeah, you're inducing chaos. Uh,
1: so, so that's all I have left on on uh, Jordan Peterson's book, um, John. If you have any uh, some thoughts that you want to share
3: yeah uh you guys actually uh, uh covered a lot of the things that uh I thought were uh, well weird about it so I'll just talk about my experience. <laughs> I really felt it, it was like up and down like back and forth like it it felt like because uh, I listened to the audiobook like I was listening to somebody that was bipolar' Cause like at first I was like, okay, maybe I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and he's trying to humanize liberals a little bit in the beginning of the book but then immediately starts to like demonize like feminism and liberals through his like weird metaphors and stuff like that for sure but uh and I don't know when he arrived to a point at any point in the book or like a conclusion which to be fair I'm only at rule 11 (laughs) 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 Or whatever <laughs> number it is. I, I
1: wouldn't uh, I wouldn't hold uh, your breath for, for any kind of conclusion.
0: <laughs> because so as,
1: as we talked easy. about, this is this is part of a list of or, or what was originally 42 rules. I think he <sighs> I, I I does the original Quora post actually exist still? I don't know. I, I kept meaning to look it, that up and I never got around to it, but uh yeah, I mean if, so, if so, uh yeah. if the quora oh. list is any uh indication uh, we still have 18 more rules and maybe, maybe at the 42nd rule, he'll finally reach some kind of conclusion.
2: Yeah. But the problem is like, so, you know, it, it gets less and less cohesive as time goes. It course. really becomes more chaotic. It's, it's so bizarre.
3: Yeah. So I decided to actually take a note instead of just like processing, I guess my like <laughs> emotions through listening to Jordan Peterson for 10 hours. Uh, but the one of the things that uh, he started talking about is art, and it just like raised my blood pressure to have like Jordan Peterson tell well, me and anybody who reads this book what what art is like uh so uh yeah the the land you know, the land uh, you do not know and the land you cannot even imagine, which that fucking chapter title that's but, uh so Peterson doesn't think. Go
1: ahead. Oh, I was gonna say that's that's an old uh, Donald Rumsfeld quote, right? Or it's a or no, it's a no, shifting no, of it. Yeah, the the known knowns, the known <laughs> unknowns, and the unknown unknowns, right?
2: <laughs> he always misses the unknown knowns. He's so, just to... <laughs> yeah. It's important. Yeah. Uh,
3: actually, Jordan Peterson seems like he uh, is susceptible to deepities. <laughs> I mean, I think he just Completely. is trying to become a deepity. yeah but uh, so Peterson doesn't think art is political or depicts anything that can be communicated with words. Uh, art is only transcendent. If it's not transcendent, then it's just propaganda. <laughs> but, is, but so and then the thing about like art is chaos, but art is ordering chaos always fucking unless it's it is religious, then it's not. Oh, yeah. And but it's not political if it's a religious message of course yeah cuz like, right. religion and politics fucking, historically painting, <laughs> never have never mixed <laughs> once but oh yeah but and but then he goes back immediately and and fucking says but propaganda can become art when it reaches about 70 years old right and then now the propaganda like like there's there's substance to it all of a sudden because now it's fucking old. Fucking, like, those people's fucking feelings of what they're trying to communicate, I guess, were less valid than they are now, somehow. I guess, artistically. But it's like, like uh, this uh, artist, uh, just to prove Jordan Peterson wrong because this, like, got my blood pressure up to have Jordan Peterson preach at me about what art is. And... It's uh, Vincent Valdez, mm. which is one of my favorite artists. So he did this series of oil paintings of Hispanic men, uh, which you don't see uh, any bindings or a noose, but these, all these men are uh, based off of uh, models that were hung or are being hung and like you can see here like some of them are more obvious uh but it's talking about what was basically a genocide here in texas uh on the border when texas was taking uh border control into its own hands and uh had concentration camps Mm -hmm. i think it was in the early early 1900s yeah that's uh that's the formation Uh, of like the texas rangers right uh, well, the Texas Rangers went even further back than that. Like Texas Rangers did like slave catching, but also it's like a whole history. Like right, okay. there were Texas Rangers, I think, uh, before we joined uh, the U.S. And it was way. like our, it was like the, the feds for Texas and still is right. I guess, yeah. technically. Yeah. But this is obviously political, but he's talking to, and he goes on to say like, oh, like it's also not art like propaganda can't like capture the mind or the imagination or fucking like communicate something like i feel like this guy wrote a book about this topic through these paintings you know yeah. so fuck jordan peterson i don't think jordan <laughs> peterson understands well it's, what art it's also you know Agreed. interesting that he would
1: say <laughs> that propaganda you know can't be art or whatever as a guy who uh, collects like russian propaganda art as, yeah, is like, uh, well, yeah but all that's that, That's
3: his, that that's his excuse. He's yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, like you guys you know, are funny because, because he puts oh, because that, this is old.
1: Yeah, he puts that 70 year limit on it, which coincidentally is around <laughs> the time that all this, all this Soviet, the, uh Soviet propaganda circulated <laughs> circulating.
2: What's the what's the newest <laughs> art
4: that I have? I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, 70 years old. Oh, okay, well that's what we'll old.
4: over uh, 69 years old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice 69
3: oh yeah and about like initial impressions these paintings are like eight or 12 feet tall and mm-hmm. i've seen them in person and like sure. you i walked into a room filled with these yeah those Oof. are pretty Oof. uh those are pretty <laughs> impressively detailed um yeah they're they're like photorealistic when you see them in person yeah and it's all oil painting but yeah that was that, that was that's that's my take you guys covered pretty much everything else that cool uh let right
1: us uh, let us never speak well. about Jordan Peterson until his yeah. next, <laughs> his next uh, until the next rules. Time. <laughs> until the next twelve or rules come out. Um, so so uh, down. our our next subject and there's no uh, elegant way to transition from dick tripping. You know what? They're both they're both old weirdos. Uh, President Biden um, had his press conference.
2: Um, <laughs> his his first one on his own. Without, yeah, his first one on idea. his own
1: uh, without. Yeah. Uh, I guess any any direction besides whatever his talking points were. Um,
3: <laughs> no shadow puppets in the background. <laughs> yeah, so let's go ahead and uh, we'll go to timestamp number nine.
2: Pinocchio uh, Christ. Uh, or,
1: or we'll go to uh, nine minutes on, on the timestamp. Oh, okay. Sorry, I don't know why I said number nine. Uh-oh. Oh, oh! They've got a yellow get... talk over the ad, guys.
3: Add time! Wow. Ad time! Never. Well, no, uh, you went. know, I just think the no, advertisements—they're no, uh, okay, coming because
5: go. of the circumstances okay. in country.
4: VA loans are arguably what? the most oh, powerful mortgage product on the market.
3: <laughs> Here are five the circumstances. I didn't do anything. One, you
2: country
4: in yeah, country.
2: It's...
5: The way to deal with this problem. And I started to deal problem. with it back when I was a United States senator, I mean, uh, vice president, p- putting together a bipartisan plan of over $700 million to do the root causes of why people are leaving. What did yeah, Trump I'm do? Pause it right there. He el- um,
1: I really love the, uh, the, the, the way that uh, liberals try to deal with problems by like, all right, I put $700 million into figuring out why people are leaving the countries that we've like historically abused <laughs> right. um so so that's that's uh that's the first uh cool thing um
2: you, you know what you know what does help immediately with the root causes of why they're leaving is uh and people complain about this as if it's a bad thing all the time because they don't understand like how uh, uh international economies work as if like i'm an expert on it but yeah um but when people send money back to their homes Uh, and their families in mexico and help lift them out of poverty that actually does help with the root causes of why a lot of people are leaving it doesn't fix it but it certainly fucking helps yeah
1: yeah it turns out that the material wealth um improves your life weird weird (laughs) if if only any theorist had ever brought that up before
2: (laughs) we should call like historical materialism or something
1: I, I don't know. I don't like the sound of that term, actually. Sorry. Yeah. Kind of sounds dumb.
3: (laughs) It it sounds like something Jordan Peterson would say.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So go ahead and let it run a little bit longer.
3: (laughs) All right.
5: Eliminated that funding. He didn't use it. He didn't do it. And in addition to that, what he did, he dismantled all the elements that exist to deal with what had been a problem and has been continued to be a problem for a long time he in fact shut down
2: take out is what? Putting oh, in no. charges, marketer, he signed up for the, the the ad plus oh who oh yeah <laughs> oh, the number <laughs> yeah. of
5: beds available he did not fund hhs to get people to get the children out of those those border patrol facilities where they should not be and not supposed to be more than a few days, a little while. But he dismantled all of that. And so what we're doing now is attempting to rebuild, rebuild the system that accommodate what is happening today. And I'd like to think it's because I'm a nice guy, but it's not. It's because of what's happened every year. Let me say one other thing on this. If you take a look at The number of people are coming. The vast majority, the overwhelming majority of people coming to the border and crossing, are being sent back. Are being sent back. Cool. Thousands. Congratulations. Tens of thousands of people who are who are over 18 years of age and single people, one at a time, coming, have been sent back, sent home. We're sending back the vast majority of the families that are coming. We're trying to work out now with Mexico their w- willingness to take more of those families back. But we—that's that, what's ahead, happening. They're not getting bit. across.
1: All right. So he he specifically brings up uh, Mexico taking these families back, right? And and I'll go into this a little bit later. But I want to make the the uh, I want I want to put a pin in that put a highlight on that that uh, that that phrase, that statement that uh, he's talking about Mexico taking them back. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see he, later on in in his like senility, he accidentally uh, shows his hand. Um, so go he ahead does and, that a bit. Yeah, yeah, he does <laughs> that quite a bit in this, which which you know for for all the the criticisms that I have of uh, Biden and Trump. Uh, one of the things that they did that was good was they they uh, they both suck to the point where they accidentally say the quiet parts out loud sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so go, go ahead, just a little bit longer.
5: Across the border. And those who are coming across the border who are unaccompanied children were moving rapidly to try to put in place what was dismantled, as I said. For example, of all the children who are coming across the border... Over 70 percent are either 16 or 17 years old. We're not talking about people ripping babies from mothers' arms or little three-year-olds standing on the border. Less than, I think, it's 1.5 percent fall in the category of the very young. So, what we're doing is we're providing for the space, again, to be able to get these kids out of the Border Patrol facilities, which no child, no one should be in any longer than 72 hours. And today, I went to, for example, I used all the resources available to me, went to the Defense department and and the, the Secretary of Defense has just made available Fort Bliss, five thousand beds be immediately available. five thousand beds in the Texas border. So we're building back up the capacity that should have been maintained and built upon. Go ahead and pause it. that Trump dismantled.
1: So, you know, he is making some good points here in that, you know, um, there, there does need to be some kind of, sure. as much as I hate to say it, there, there does need to be a process where these kids are taken in and, you know, they're, they're, um,
2: yeah, but, they should have beds.
1: Yeah. They should have beds. Yeah. Uh, they, they should be given some kind of lodgings, uh, you know, he he talks about how most of these uh, unaccompanied minors are are not little babies, but they're you know 15, 16, 17 years old. Um, the reason that a parent would send somebody of that age uh, away from their country to America is because they're old enough to know, hey, I've got an aunt or uncle in such and such state. I know their contact information. At some point, uh, I forget where it is in the video. I didn't make note of this, but uh, he says that a lot of these kids come with uh, little little armbands on, and the armbands oh, have yeah. a number and and the you know note like, "Hey, this is my aunt or this is my uncle that lives in America." So, the the concept that these kids need to stay in these these camps is kind of like disingenuous because yeah. you could probably just call that number and, and he does to his credit talk about how you know they're they're setting up systems for you know calling these people and figuring out and and there are some necessary you know security measures that need to be taken like identifying that they are actually a relative and stuff like that.
2: I mean he, he was he was more ambiguous about it per per my memory. Maybe maybe that's off, but he he doesn't say where these family members are that, that have the, the the phone numbers attached. And and my reading of it when he was speaking is that these are families back home that they can be sent back to. No, uh, it no, might no. be one or the other, but my, does he my... say straight out?
1: <clears throat> yeah. I, I actually watched this twice. Um, okay. Just, just to get like a good feel for what was going on. And he is talking about these, these numbers that these kids come attached with are, family members that reside in the u.s okay um
2: but yeah the the other really maybe maybe we're going to get to this but but there there's so much i mean the first like i don't know thirds to half of this is about the border um yeah. Yeah. but um but one of the things that he says that just drove me insane was that uh uh the the only people that we're going to allow to suffer and that we're going to turn away are adults. Yep. those are the only people we're going <laughs> to yeah. do something. These fucked are up to. these are
1: single people. They're not with families. And then he says the vast <laughs> majority human. of families are being turned right. away too. So, um, yeah. So that's, that's the only
2: refugees that we send away. Yeah, are it's, it's only
1: it's only refugees that we're turning away at the border, guys. It's it's not little <laughs> babies. It's <laughs> these are these are full grown adults that we're
3: turning away. Is this Biden reaching across the
2: aisle? Yeah, that's all he does. He's reaching across
1: (laughs) the border to put uh, people in Mexico. Um, (laughs) So uh, go ahead and go to uh, 1327 is the next timestamp.
5: Close enough. And that is, what about dealing with families? Why are not...
2: Friends uh, would walk up to me and just be like, what's going on? And I would just tell them, so I'm
5: not going back because Mexico is refusing to take them back. They're saying they won't take them back, not all of them. We're in negotiations with the president of Mexico. I think we're going to see that change. They should all be going back, all be going back. The only people we're not going to let sitting there on the other side of the Rio Grande by themselves with no help are children. And what we're doing there, and it's important to understand. I know you understand.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The only people we're going to allow to stand there without help. The only people we're going to allow to stand there.
1: Acknowledging that, yes, we, and and this is why you know it's great that he's so senile, uh, because. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> somebody who's on top of their game wouldn't have said any of those words uh, right yeah probably Um so yeah like, uh, again it's, it's like he's
3: misreading the room it's, like, <laughs> right. it's yeah. like he thinks like they want to hear him say that I'm, he will I'm mercilessly deport all the foreigners or something right, right.
2: stop calling me a nice guy I'm not a nice guy <laughs> stop trying to help me stop trying to help me <laughs> <laughs>
1: um go ahead and go to uh 1721 he's talking about the filibuster here and i think it really just needs to like i know that this is maybe ableist or whatever um, <laughs> okay but uh this is clearly a person who doesn't have their brain altogether together anymore <laughs> uh, and this is a this is a, a, a clear indication of that so uh 1720 if you want to go ahead
5: but here's the deal. As you observed, I'm a fairly practical guy. I want to get things done. I want to get them done.
1: Uh, go ahead and pause. Consistent real
5: quick. with what we promised.
1: So, sorry. Uh, did I mention he's talking about the filibuster here? Yeah. Okay, I did. Okay, sorry.
3: Yeah. Go ahead. Man, he looks like he is shitting his pants. Oh, oh he, yeah. He could be. He's <laughs> probably wearing the
1: pants. I don't know. And again, that's ableist, but I don't care because he's an oppressor.
2: And they're 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 paid for with taxes, uh, so it's our depends. Yeah, these these are our
1: depends, and I want some of that shit if he's gonna shit in my depends. <laughs> Give me Joe Biden's shit. <laughs> uh,
5: go ahead, the American.
1: Go ahead, go ahead. All right, People,
5: right. and in order to do that in a fifty-fifty Senate, we've got to get to the place where I get fifty votes so that the Vice President of the United States can break the tie, or I get 51 votes without her. And so, I'm going to say something outrageous. I have never been particularly poor at calculating how to get things done in the United States Senate. So, the best way to get something done, if you — if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to — anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> i What? We're going to get a lot done. And if we have to, if there's complete <laughs> lockdown and chaos as a consequence of the filibuster, then we'll have to go beyond what I'm talking about. Which, which he's talking about okay. something. Go ahead and pause it there.
1: Um,
2: Let me say something <laughs> insane. I, back in my day, I
4: used to know how to get things done.
1: He was, about, he was about to tell us another story about Corn Pop and the gang or something. like, And right. then was like, I don't know, I was told not to say this anymore because it's weird.
3: <laughs> I think it but doesn't it like uh I think there's a follow up later on where he go like he just was like, "Oh, I know how to get things done in the Senate and Congress. I was a senator and congressman." And then there's a follow up question I think after this where the he says, "Oh, I'm not an expert in procedural rules." Yes, no, no, he does, <laughs> uh, I, I forgot I forgot to note that timestamp, but he, he does
1: uh, he does specifically say that he doesn't know exactly how the parliamentary uh, uh, like rules work for something that he right. wants to get done. And he's like, bro, you've been in the Senate for like 40 fucking years. Yeah. You should be at this point an expert in how the Senate works. And then, you know, pairing that up with what he's saying right now, which is that like, I've never been bad at calculating how to get things done in the Senate um so obviously all over the place. Uh go ahead and go to uh 2054. Um he he reiterates the point uh that the the vice president is going to look into why people leave uh South American uh, countries.
3: Do you mind uh if I insert? No yeah, no no, go uh, ahead. Ad- absolutely.
1: Yeah, if if you got something that's yeah, in between this, those points.
0: Yeah.
3: This was one that I thought was infuriating and hilarious sounds right
5: cecilia vega meet your next pillow
3: (laughs) Uh, (laughs)
1: oh it's another it's another pillow the my pillow (laughs) guy
6: to immigration please uh You you just listed the reasons that people are coming, uh, talking about in-country problems, saying that it happens every year. You blamed the last administration. Sir, I just got back last night from a reporting trip to the border where I met nine-year-old Jose who walked here from Honduras by himself uh, along with another little boy. He had that phone number on him and we were able to call his family. His mother says that she sent her son to this country because she believes that you are not deporting unaccompanied minors like her son. That's why she sent him alone from Honduras. So, sir, you blame the last administration, but is your messaging and saying that these children are and will be allowed to stay in this country and work their way through this process, encouraging families like Jose's to come?
5: Well, look. The idea that I'm gonna say.
3: So real quick, I was I was I was watching this at one half time, mm. and so now this like all the senility of his responses are like hitting me real hard. No, no you're you're saying that like, you were watching I it want, at one point five you guys to- speed,
1: not not one half. Yeah. One. Right. Yeah.
3: Okay. Oh, sorry. One point five speed. Yeah. I was like, like damn that, that... I want you guys to figure this. Yeah. No.
1: He. 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 wanted to to, <laughs> to belabor every one of Biden's points by, by half time. <laughs> I mean, to take,
2: to take notes. Sometimes I have watched things at like 0. .75 or something. So like. All right. Go ahead. I, I was actually speeding it up. Like here, right. which I would never he look. He sounds
5: like an coherent a child ends up at the border. We're just gonna let him starve to death and stay on the other side. No previous administration's dead either, except Trump. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. That's why I've asked the Vice President of the United States yesterday to be the lead person on dealing with focusing on the fundamental reasons why.
3: Texas area homeowners,
2: if you <laughs> have a- oh, Why to like Texas area inside. homeowners? <laughs> blah, blah, blah.
1: <laughs> All right, so so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna set up a, a Benzo. Well, actually there is a Benzo Rehab YouTube and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna uh, get the- You're blind. gonna soak up
2: the, the 10 bucks a month? Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: i need i need another subscription okay, for cool. this project like i need a hole in the head but <laughs> might as well we gotta have a serious serious broadcast here uh but yeah when you when you speed him up like that he uh he seems like a much more normal uh person right
3: yeah i i, I could believe that he's 68 a, a little bit
1: on a little bit on the uh, a little bit on the ben shapiro side of things <laughs> But but much more uh, yeah a little bit much more much more aware and capable than than the
3: actuality. Yeah, It makes them seem a bit more manic and less uh, tired, right?
5: In the first place, it's because of earthquakes, floods, it's because of lack of food, it's because of yeah, gang violence, it's because of a yeah. whole range of things. So go ahead and that when I was right
0: there. <laughs>
1: Um, the reason that people are leaving South America is not because of earthquakes and floods. Uh, those, those happen all over the world. Uh, they happen in America and nobody's leaving America because of earthquakes and floods. Um, <laughs> the reason that people are leaving, uh, Southern American countries is because we've destabilized them to the point where they're, uh, mostly in, in, uh, uninhabitable, um, two regular people who don't want to live a life of like brutal murder and crime
0: <laughs>
1: um right so you know the 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 uh the the idea that he's positing here that these people are leaving their countries because of uh, earthquakes and floods uh is dishonest at the very
3: least yeah um oh yeah well and it's 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 evasive because it's like I mean, like, everybody at this point should know that South America and Central America are the way that they are because of the United States. For sure. Well, ones that are maybe not every single country, but lots of the problems that are going on in Central and South America are directly results of American interventionalism.
1: And, and, you know, organizations like the CIA admit as much at this point. Uh, was like, yeah, yeah we we did fuck up uh uh guatemala which we'll talk about in a little bit um right because he uh, it's he fucks up and shows his hand
2: <laughs> yeah it's it's really funny how how obsessed these people are with like uh if if we end up leaving you know uh afghanistan entirely then we're gonna destabilize the whole region while we're purposefully destabilizing south america
1: yeah exactly um, and that actually uh, rolls nicely into uh, so. So what we just watched was the the timestamp that I was going to give you uh, before you said that you had something between them. Um, so we'll go to uh, twenty five thirteen. Twenty five thirteen.
4: Twenty twenty
2: five. Oh man! Thank you, Mr. President. Fuck. I want. <laughs> working from home is
3: that no. don Cheadle? <laughs> <laughs> no you racist
1: it <laughs> kind of looks similar don't.
3: <laughs> you i didn't they, think they, so at they, first they, and they then i double took <laughs> <God, damn it. laughs> they, they they do a bit
2: no. face a may 1st deadline for the withdrawal of u.s troops from that country
4: as a candidate in foreign affairs you wrote that it is past time to end these forever wars Can you commit to the
2: American people that by May 2nd, the U.S. will no longer have forces in Afghanistan?
5: The answer is that it's going to be hard to meet the May 1 deadline. Just in terms of tactical reasons, it's hard to get those troops out.
3: He's out of breath. So,
5: what we've been doing, what I've been doing, and what Secretary Blinken has been doing has been — we've been meeting with our allies, those other nations that have NATO allies who have troops in Afghanistan as well. And, uh, and if we leave, we're going to do so in a safe and orderly way. Uh, we're in consultation, I say, with our allies and partners and how to proceed. And Secretary Blinken is meeting in Brussels this week with our NATO allies. Uh, particularly those who have forces there. And General Austin has just met with Kayani, and I'm waiting for the Go briefing ahead, on uh, that. He is the... the, uh, the, the you know, actually, actually, let it, let it run just a little bit longer. ...leader, quote, in Afghanistan and Kabul. And uh, there's a U.N.-led process that's beginning uh, shortly on how to mechanically get people, how, how to end this war. But it is not my intention to stay there for a long time but the question is how and in what circumstances do we meet that agreement that was made by president trump to leave under a deal that looks like it's not being able to be worked out to begin with how, how how's that done but we are not staying a long time
0: You just
5: said do you think it's possible that we, we could- will leave the question is when we leave do you, sorry, do you believe though
4: it's possible we could have troops there next year? I uh
5: I, I can't picture that be the case. let right, so go ahead and pause
1: it. I close my
5: close my
1: close your close eyes. My eyes. Yeah. Uh so you know this is uh this is another instance of the uh <clears throat> The establishment doesn't want to admit that Trump was president and that uh, while Trump was president, we made deals uh, or broke deals uh, in in the case of Iran. Iran. Um, And uh, basically, you know, they they don't want to uh, they don't want to admit that uh, America made deals during this period of time that we now have to uh, keep. Right. (laughs) Like, yeah, uh, it's 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 very dishonest that, uh, you know. America made a deal and now the, ne- the new administration is saying, oh, well, we can't keep to that timeline because of all these problems that we have. And it's yeah. like, no, we, we made a deal as a country. We have to acknowledge that while we may not have liked Trump, I didn't like Trump. Nobody liked Trump uh, except for like some weirdos. Um, Trump made deals as the president of our country. And that that's just how the democracy works. And yeah. for those four years, he was our president. And any deals, not my president, made, yeah, <laughs> any, any deals that we made or broke as a country underneath Donald Trump have to be maintained in order for us to be honest as a country and yep. so for for Biden to say, oh, "Okay, yeah, well, you know those deals are made under the previous administration. We all know how that guy was, right like <laughs> well, yeah, no that this this is the the imperative that you have if you want to run an honest country, and obviously he doesn't want to run an honest country, so he's not going to play by the rules uh that were set uh in agreements during uh during Trump's presidency." And, you know, as far as the, the mechanical means of how you get people out of a country work, um, John, when, when we were in Afghanistan in, uh, 2011, 2012, uh, weren't we breaking everything down because we were supposed to leave the country at that point?
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. That was like one of our major
1: things was, was packing up all of our equipment and reducing our, our footprint in in Afghanistan, because, you know, we were under the impression the, the entire military was under the impression that we were going to leave the country pretty soon yeah
3: we had an 80 percent cut down yep and we got it done in like like two, like easily within like we were ready well beforehand i don't think we we're ever behind schedule nope yeah when in fact i think we're waiting on fucking supply to fucking come get our shit like it doesn't <laughs> it's the military like we get in and out of places immediately yeah fucking and, like and especially like Vietnam, an expeditionary fucking... force
1: like the marine corps is set up to get in and out of places quickly yeah um and then you know in in the the event that we can't move all of our equipment out do we not have protocols in order to destroy that equipment so it can't be reappropriated
3: so, oh yeah we'll just burn everything yeah. down you just you just set some to.
1: incendiary grenades and all the equipment you can't leave with and it's done in yeah. the story and you get if if uh personnel movement is the issue then you send a couple of choppers and you're out um so the uh the dishonesty and saying like oh man it's it's a it's a hairy mess and there's no way we can get everybody out of here uh,
3: And especially when it's like it's only like uh how many u.s troops are there
1: uh, i don't know uh, the, I, the current number right now it's not something i've really kept up with but it's It's in the, uh, it's in the low thousands. I want to say, um, I'm sure you're probably looking that up right now.
2: Yeah. Um, but I, I, I do, I do want to say that like, while I agree with you that, you know, these, the deal making, which I, I feel like it's just a word that entered into our, social consciousness over the last fucking like five years because donald Uh, trump makes deals right right um but but while it is it is a good imperative to like remain honest about these deals it is of course more complicated than that and it is important to be able to like abdicate uh or modify these things if if they're like unjust to begin with and it's like by by just going going ahead and saying we have an imperative to remain with all of our agreements is to say that you want to remain with like a one-sided um way of getting things done because you know that people on the right are never going to keep to that either sure so i mean like it's a it's a good rule of thumb to be like when you say something do it you know both in a personal uh, level and like a political one but uh but that, of course, there's plenty of shit that like we should undo, regardless of like contract or negotiation or agreement.
1: without doubt. But the you know the the thing we're discussing here is military occupation of a, a yeah. sovereign nation. So.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. right, right, and just, just, just you know. Um, no, no, I,
1: I get the point you're making, and I and I, I agree. agree. I
3: do agree. Yeah. Well, and Afghanistan are are they our allies at this point? Like Iraq is, or are they not?
1: I mean, on paper, maybe. So you asked me. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean,
3: technically. But, yeah. but yeah, there's only 25,000 US troops. I mean, Not like,
1: 2,500
3: or 20. Yeah, sorry, 2,500. Yeah, 2,500 US troops. That's like, like, said, 10, like 10, lo, 10 low planes. thousands
1: is what my, my ballpark was. So,
2: this, yeah. uh, this article through the New York Times is also claiming that we have, we may have like a thousand more troops than the numbers say. Of course. So, um, yeah, of course. Yeah. But yeah, I, I guess that makes sense.
3: But 10, 10 or 15 plane flights and a, a bunch of missiles, and we're out of the country. Right. Yep. <laughs> um, if they want it to leave tomorrow. We don't have the resources
2: for that kind of thing. No, absolutely <laughs> no, not. No, no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's, there's no way we could possibly we've got budgets and stuff, man.
3: Yeah, it's not like we have more tanks and tank drivers in the U.S. military. <laughs> Jesus Christ, yeah, that's that true. <laughs> yeah, like a a massive amount more than actual drivers. But, for sure. and
1: and part of the reason is that uh, there there was this weird like I don't even know what to call it. There there was this weird idea that uh, because. The Soviets used tanks in in the Afghan invasion. That people in Afghanistan would be like, especially put off if we went in there with tanks. And so there was a huge drawdown in the amount of uh, tank drivers and like tank operators and stuff like that. Because, and and this is where the the MRAP program came into effect was because. Uh we were using humvees over there, and humvees are obviously like way easy to blow up compared to tanks because you know not armored uh really and so the Mrap program was like a response to us using humvees primarily where we should have been using tanks and and by should have been using i mean like should have as like a tactical uh uh yeah. reasoning yeah. not not we we shouldn't have been there in the first place um but uh yeah so so there was this idea that uh the afghan people would be like especially averse to us killing them if if we had tanks there and and (laughs) so part of winning like the hearts and minds of the, the afghan people and you can look this up this is like absolutely fucking true as like part of the the military doctrine and how we invaded afghanistan um but yeah uh so yeah it was just like this, this weird, bizarro concept of like, oh, okay, if we bring tanks in like the Soviets did, that's going to make them hate us. But if we bring in Humvees and shoot at them all the time and kill them at, like, extreme rates, like, I think... At least they're not doing it with tanks. Yeah, at least they're not doing it with tanks. And, and you know, we've got PTSD associated with tanks in Af- Afghanistan. Um, mm. So, yeah, cool. interesting little tidbit there, maybe uh go ahead and go to uh 2741.
3: all right let's see oh, that's,
1: that's actually Im- immediately after what i what we're at <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah.
5: okay uh christian okay. thank you very much mr president given the conditions that were just laid out at the migrant facilities at the u.s border Will
0: you commit to allowing journalists to have access to the facilities that are overcrowded moving forward?
5: I will commit when my plan very shortly is underway to let you have access to not just them but to other facilities as well. How soon will journalists be able to have access to the facilities? We've obviously been allowed to be inside one, but we haven't seen the facilities in which children are packed together to really give the american people a chance to see that will you commit to transparency on this issue i will commit questions? to transparency and as soon as i am in a position to be able to implement what we're doing right now I mean, one of the reasons i haven't gone down i've all my my chief folks have gone down
3: so i commit to being transparent when i can when it's convenient yeah. <laughs> when
2: when no, it doesn't let, look bad i phone. swear to god i'll show you my
3: clean
1: room yeah,
2: I'll, <laughs> I'll show you my phone just let me delete some text messages yeah really
1: quick exactly mm-hmm. um so that that was uh yeah you guys caught on why i wanted to bring that up um go ahead and go to uh 3320 uh 3320. just just a bizarre statement that uh that dorian will immediately recognize Um, it's it's about birds
5: Mm. oh god voters voters (laughs) and so I'm convinced
2: whether you're building Uh, dynamic
5: this is (laughs) the
1: the shame
2: shame
5: of ads (laughs) we'll be able to stop this because it is the most pernicious thing this makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle this is
4: gigantic you can tell (laughs) he like thought that
2: through beforehand too like he had that loaded like what the fuck
4: like how
3: do people not see that this guy speaks maybe a hair better than donald trump the hair is is
1: generous and so
3: (laughs) yeah like that's as generous as i as i can be that like he has a few more coherent sentences in an hour-long fucking speech right than donald trump does yeah and so what what he's
1: talking about here is the uh uh
2: voter suppression yeah the voter suppression
1: that's happening in places like georgia where they're you know no longer going to allow people to hand out water bottles and and uh Uh, voter lines um, voting is going to be like restricted a bunch uh absentee ballots except in like the most extreme cases won't be allowed anymore etc etc i honestly don't know what uh, this makes jim crow look like jim eagle means like is he saying that this is this is jim eagle and we used to have jim crow or is he saying jim eagle is he, the old rule and this is now the new jim crow yeah he's saying know. this is
2: the new jim crow and it makes the old one seem real patriotic and cool and decent i guess like i do I, I feel
1: like this is yeah. actually not as bad as jim crow was yeah that's, on, the, on that's an what means it's so bizarre
2: yeah <laughs> yeah
1: like when when we used to uh not treat black people as equals at all might have been worse than like just trying to suppress their vote i don't know
3: yeah um, well that yeah. eagle the eagles are our national bird it's generally considered yeah. something positive like it's yeah, almost and, like and he's saying it's, it's great like,
1: well well biden is actually a revolutionary figure who was uh, challenging the the status of the <laughs> eagle in american culture <laughs> So woke. Yeah. Such a leftist. Super woke. Um <laughs> Go ahead and go to uh 3410. Uh which is just
2: I don't know. Even... we're really covering this whole thing.
1: Yeah, no, uh, after this it's uh it's gonna skip like ten minute blocks. Uh, I've Thank only got god. two more two more clips from this that I really wanna hit on.
5: Oh god, I miss it. Um, have you? Have you? <laughs> no. An answer is yes. My plan is to run for re-election. That's my expectation.
6: And then on uh, on one other note, on bipartisanship, your old friend Mitch McConnell uh, says you have only spoken.
1: It. We don't care about Mitch McConnell. Uh, Biden is, is apparently uh, his expectation is to run again in twenty twenty four. At which
2: he- point in time he'll be thirty seven thousand years old. <laughs> yeah, he, he'll
1: he'll be uh, in actual years eighty eighty two on uh, november 20th 2024 i looked up his birthday for this ah, shit!
2: imagine imagine having someone like pressing 90 when they're like leaving office i
1: yeah no and and by the time he leaves office he'll be 85 86
3: 86
1: yeah yeah um so that's cool uh
3: it's gotta be what having a monarch feels like <laughs> right i mean yeah
2: yeah <laughs> um <laughs> dynasties
1: And again, I don't want to be like ableist or ageist or anything, but I don't think uh, an 85, 86 year old man is uh, mentally fit to run the fucking country, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially when he's already showing signs of like kind of intense sundowning, I would say.
2: Signs of not being able to walk upstairs is a start. Um, Yeah.
1: And and again, uh, uh, not to be ableist or anything, but uh, I don't know kind of seems like he's a senile old fuck and i don't want him running <laughs> the country as a yeah. senile old fuck
3: yeah it 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 is more than a stutter right he, <laughs> no, he, just, he, 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 he,
1: he doesn't really stutter them in the that middle
3: much. of a thought and then he's just like oh, oh yeah oh well right yeah, it's just a stutter I mean, I mean, it's, he's it's, even, it's, hi, he's even highlighting them now with fucking right
2: oh, I mean, be, be, being someone that, that worked with, like, dementia patients and, and whatnot for a long time, I mean, I, I, I think that maybe the, the, the sundowning uh, terminology used for it isn't quite right. But, uh, but in a certain way, it's, uh, it's worse than that, simply because it's like, it, I don't think that he's having cognitive deficits that come, like, in a patternated way that are, like, really extreme out of nowhere and then kind of, like, drift away into, like, more cogent states. I just think that his brain is made of soup. <laughs> like, I don't think he has dementia. I just think that he does not think good now. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> well, fair enough. <laughs>
3: yeah. Uh, well, like, uh, I mean, not that like I necessarily uh, agreed with what Joe Biden was saying, but I've seen past debates of Joe Biden. Granted, I guess he was up against fucking pretty easy people that I think I could win a debate against. Well, I don't know. He did better than fucking Ron... What's his name? What was that young guy? Paul Ryan or Ron Paul? Oh,
2: is it Paul Ryan?
1: Uh,
3: Yeah. Paul Paul Ryan, maybe?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think that he... uh,
3: I think I remember Biden doing pretty well against against him then, and then him being rolled out of a sarcophagus for this election. <laughs> for was, sure. to me, it was a stark difference. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, the, that was. The difference
2: the difference that twelve years makes, especially like later in life. Well, and early in life, the, the yeah. difference that twelve yeah. years makes is is massive. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it 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 is scary. I I'm just I'm I'm. Uh, uh, careful with with certain like terminologies and, and stuff like that around like uh, dimension and whatnot because of my own oh, experience but yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah no he's definitely he is absolutely uh, on the wrong side of uh, some kind of hill <laughs> on,
1: on the wrong <laughs> side of whatever his brain is yeah. which may be soup um, <laughs> go ahead and go to uh, 50 40
2: skipping right ahead oh, that's a beautiful skip oh look at that yeah, like Jumping like up. I said,
1: I, the, the, the first half of it was, was really the, the substantive oh, yeah. stuff.
2: Oh yeah,
3: that uh the par where he, he mentioned the paradigm. Did that question feel like a plant? Uh yeah, a, I mean like obviously a...
1: Biden is not shifting the paradigm between workers yeah. and, and uh the the owners of capital, but uh he's, yeah. he's gonna try to tell you he is. Um it looks and like then we, he'll stumble up. Yeah. It looks like we have an, another ad coming up. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> by by okay, the sorry. uh by the next I know um, you chance to drive. uh by the next podcast I'll have a uh a premium set up uh, so, killed, yeah. so we don't have to deal with this.
2: Um. Colorado, uh you had said to stay tuned for actions that you might take on gun control. Wondering if you've made a decision either about sending the manufacturer liability bill that you had promised on day one to Capitol Hill or executive actions like going after ghost guns or giving money to cities and states to to battle gun control?
5: All the above. It's a matter of timing. As you've all observed, successful presidents, better than me, have been successful in large part because they know how to time what they're doing, order it, decide on priorities what needs to be done. The next major initiative is — and I'll be announcing it Friday in Pittsburgh in detail — is to rebuild the infrastructure, both physical and technological infrastructure in this country
1: go ahead and go ahead and pause it real quick
5: so that we can compete
1: so not to what? uh diminish talking about infrastructure because infrastructure is important and he does have some uh, some good thoughts on infrastructure uh, to to his credit uh but the the question that he's arrived at this from is about gun control right and he has not at any point addressed any kind of <laughs> substantive idea about gun control or what he's going to do with gun control. He's just immediately like stepped in a completely different direction towards infrastructure. He does say no. some good things about infrastructure and talks a lot about how, you know, we have like 20,000 or more like failing bridges that are in desperate need of repair, uh, lead and drinking water and lots of different uh, municipalities um
2: you, you know yeah. what would fix uh all that stuff is an, a new deal uh,
1: yes perhaps a a new Your federal deal jobs that is, program is, and, yeah. And, yeah a yeah. new deal that is maybe green um I don't yeah know. that would
2: be ideal too yeah. Wow, yeah. think about that upgrading uh, things to like renewables and whatnot crazy
1: which uh which he's opposed to
3: would and the the construction industry is like ready for
6: absolutely like the
3: the construction industry is prepared and ready for the green new deal and have they've been preparing for it for like 15 years well because if
1: if you're if you're a smart uh if you're a smart business person you see the trend and where it's going and you prepare for where the trend is going to go right so you go okay yeah we're 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 going to be any time now tapped up to start installing solar panels everywhere, start installing wind wind turbines everywhere. So you get ready to, to have these structures in place so that when your company is contracted to make, you know, millions or billions of dollars in this new emerging field, you're, you're prepared to do that. And yeah. uh, when, when you have somebody that's, that's uh, opposed to that, but it's still talking about infrastructure. It's like putting everything in limbo in this weird, like <laughs> where do we actually go from here? Sort of uh, sort of state, I guess.
3: No. Um, so- that was that a dodge or
2: uh soup brain (laughs) Right. (laughs) little little column a little column b yeah
1: it's when when you're it's when you're you've got the uh the alphabet soup and you like stir (laughs) stir it around and like the word lol pops up in the (laughs) the letters or something (laughs) it's a new
2: it's a new term for us a soup dodge yeah a soup dodge (laughs) soup dodge
1: Um, um so uh let's see uh, go ahead and go to fifty-eight, uh, fifty-three. Round, round there. Fifty-eight,
5: fifty-three.
1: Yeah. So fifty-eight, okay. fifty is fine. Yeah. As
5: safely as possible.
6: Well, no, treating the root causes causes in. I
3: was. <laughs> oh my. That guy's head is unfortunately shaped. Yes. Things
6: overnight. How do you realistically and physically keep these families from coming to the U.S. when things will not get better in their countries right away?
5: Well, I I, I can't guarantee that. But I know, you know, that old thing, the journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step. Uh... You know as well as I do. You cover it. You have serious — it's not like somebody's sitting on a hand table in Guatemala — I mean, in uh, — in, uh, in somewhere in Mexico somewhere or in, Guatemala. in Guadalupe, saying, I got a great idea. Let's sell everything we have. Give it to a coyote. Have them take our kids across the border into a desert where they don't speak the language. Won't that be fun? Let's go. That's not how it happens. People don't want to leave. When my great-grandfather got in a coffin ship in the Irish Sea, expectation was, was he — was he going to live long enough on that ship to get to the United States of America. But they left because of what the Brits had been doing. They were in real, real trouble. They didn't want to leave. But they had no choice. So, you got — we can't — I can't guarantee we're going to solve everything.
1: What'd you say, Dorian?
2: Oh, I said, so we got to send him back. Put him back in <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. So, so here's where in his senility, he shows his hand because this whole time he's been talking about sending families back to Mexico, right? And yeah. he trips up and he says, Guatemala, because that's where a lot of these refugees are coming from, because we have historically destabilized Guatemala. Um. They're, they're coming here because uh, an entire generation of Guatemalans had, you know, their, their family lives disrupted. You know, you're talking about like tons of orphans because um, if you go ahead and click on the, uh, the, the, the first link that I sent, or maybe it's the second link. Yeah. The second link past this one. Oh. Um, During the 1960s, the United States was intimately involved in equipping and training Guatemalan security forces that murdered thousands of civilians in the nation's civil war. Uh, so we, uh, we destabilize that country in a horrific way, um, oh. CIA run project, of course. Um, and so when, when he says, you know, this entire time that, you know, uh, we need to, we need to send them back to Mexico. Uh, he accidentally shows his hand here and in, in saying Guatemala, because that's where a lot of the refugees are actually coming from. And the reason that they're coming from Guatemala is because we fucked that country up. Yeah. Um, so, so, so this, this article that I linked here, uh, papers show us role in Guatemala abuses. Uh, this is from the Washington post before, uh, Jeff Bezos owned it. So they were actually doing uh, journalism at this point. Uh, the next link is from the, uh, the Panoptic, Um, and, uh, I'm not going to go through this whole article, but if you scroll down to the, uh, the headline, uh, the devastating effects of American intervention in Guatemala, uh, again, by the panoptic, go ahead and look that up and read through it. It has a really good history on what we did in Guatemala and why it's still affecting Guatemala today. Uh, and that's the, uh, that's, that's the rant I have on immigration and Joe Biden. Um, Oh
0: yeah. It's
1: good. Yeah. So, so we're, we're done with Joe Biden at this point. Oh, thank God. Um, (laughs) our, our last subject is, uh, who, who here likes boats? i love boats boats do you like do you like big boats the bigger the (laughs) better the bigger the boat the 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 bigger the boat can be um the better a boat can be
2: it's not the motion of the ocean it's the the the, the blockage of the boat (laughs) disrupting world economy
1: uh so yeah you you wanted to talk about this dorian i don't know if you have uh yeah. Anything just prepped? just
2: just a little bit. Well, I mean, do do you do you want to give a quick primer about like what exactly occurred? Yeah, so there's this
1: big ass fucking boat. Uh it's <laughs> it's a gold class uh and, and these these classes are all are arbitrary, of course, because I'm sure there was like a previous iteration of what a gold class ship was. Uh and it didn't involve like tens of thousands of uh cargo containers. But this is our, our modern understanding of what a cargo ship is. Um a gold class uh, container ship uh was was floating down the suez canal and uh l- end up lodging itself sideways uh so that the canal is completely blocked
2: but um, but before that it oh, drew yeah. for the satellite a dick and right. balls
1: yeah and i uh, and i'm not sure if that was intentional it seems like it something has like to be. yeah it has to be intentional right <laughs> So maybe the maybe the Helmsman is uh, is like the the, he's wokest, the joker. Yeah, he he's he's either the joker or like the wokest <laughs> Marxist that's ever existed. Um be, became a, a seasoned helman zone. to the point where he's like <laughs> operating one of the biggest boats that's ever fucking existed, uh, and decided to draw a dick and balls before uh stopping twelve percent of world trade. <laughs> <laughs> which is beautiful and and as as much as this is going to hurt like the uh the pocketbook, because we will pay for this um
2: yeah it'll take weeks to get it out and it's gonna be awesome um but the um what i wanted to bring up is that psychoanalysis i'm doing this again yeah so in psychoanalysis of course one of the very important concepts is the phallus and the phallus is, uh, is something that, uh, that Lacan takes up after Freud and explains that it's not necessarily a penis, but it's also a penis. <laughs>
1: it's definitely it's always <laughs> a penis.
2: And though it clearly carries the connotations of mm-hmm. the male uh, genital organ, uh, it's first and foremost a signifier in the system. Uh, and it's a particularly privileged signifier, which is to say that it operates in, in three registers of, of being, being the imaginary, the symbolic, and the real, right? The real is something we don't have any access to, and it is, in fact, that the physical world and the way that things actually are, uh, the problem with our minds is that we don't actually uh, articulate or understand any of that. The imaginary is the images that we end up producing. It's not necessarily the imaginary in the way that we generally end up thinking about it, and the symbolic is the kind of linguistic array that we end up building to understand and communicate things. But you see, the phallus exists in all of these states uh, because of the fact that it uh, it it um, exists in a physical form, uh, and it is in fact the physical representation of desire, and it ends up predicating a lot of other like psychosexual um, orientations through that, right? But the really, really important thing about it filling all those uh, spaces and and kind of inaugurating its its own process of signification itself, is that it it, it fills in in Lacan's understanding of desire in the sense that, it is something that produces desire, represents desire, and then blocks desire. Ooh. And so the fact that this man drew a dick yep. and then blocked the <laughs> Suez Canal.
1: <laughs> so what What you're is saying is you, you think he's read theory. I think he's a Lucanian. Yeah. <laughs> and mean, then, and well, this is why when whenever I post something on the Instagram story and I say read theory, this is what i'm trying to get at this is what you need to be doing you need to be you need to be blocking the suez
2: canal Pax-es. There's but, but, it's Pax-es. but yeah i mean <laughs> yes yes i mean well so L- lacan and and marx both uh have a lineage that uh that that goes back to hegel of and so we can really blame this entire thing on hegelians
1: which we should blame a lot of things on hegelians everything right <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah anyway that's that's my thing
1: all right well cool yeah and then uh my thing is this is based as fuck um (laughs) based (laughs) in boat pill if if uh what's what's maybe an accident can stop 12 percent of world trade imagine what like an organized workforce could do yeah Yeah, just Uh,
2: a little sugar and some concrete yeah this
1: this is like maybe one guy who maybe read some some lacan (laughs) Uh, <laughs> one guy is able to stop 12 percent of world trade so imagine what like i don't know 10 guys who, or girls or girls yeah. boss queens if you will um boss queens who aren't like uh, near a tandem trying to es- establish the uh, the old hierarchies um but like yeah imagine if uh, imagine if 10 Non-binary, ungendered workers. Uh, Red Lacan and and Drew Dicks for satellites, and then block it. Uh, blocked twelve uh, percent of world trade. Each individual, you know,
2: to to the girl bosses. It's it's all about gaslighting, gatekeeping, girl bossing. <laughs> that's beautiful.
1: I, I think that's a that's a good point for us to end on. <laughs> the, the worst point, maybe. <laughs> we. <can end> on. <laughs> <laughs> um so thank you for everyone who who has listened to this or watched this uh um dorian do you do you have any projects that you want to bring up uh that, you, that you're working on i know we're working on the uh the the Tricotta forum still could um, have
2: that up soon uh yeah. now that i've uh engaged mike uh who knows a little bit more about this thing than i do um that should be up sometime in the next week, maybe two, hopefully we don't go over schedule into the second week. Um, and um, we're um, we're bringing back uh, Kirash Alimi to uh, talk about his art uh, in the next, uh, in, in our next session tomorrow. And, and, and
1: Kirash, uh, just so everybody knows is uh, from Iran. And he's a yeah,
2: yeah Yeah, great Iranian uh, uh, painter um and uh lastly part of the uh patreon now includes me doing uh uh, a few readings a week that i record so you can just kind of chill and uh and listen to some poetry instead of just me ranting about theory so
1: there we go all right um i have no projects that i want to bring up right now so uh
2: john you have anything to interject
3: uh no 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 projects or anything like that not yet
1: there we go all right none of us are doing anything
2: except for dorian
1: (laughs) uh thank you for listening we love you please take
0: your medicine take mine too